Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Jenna. Hi. Hi, friend. What are you doing? Just hanging out. Love that. Happy to hang out with you and very happy that we are hanging out once again with our dear friend, Jenny Eubing. Hi, Jenny. Hi, guys. Jenny, you've been on the podcast before. It was loads of fun, but would you mind giving our listeners a little refresher and introducing yourself? Yeah, I'm Jenny Eubing. I live in Denver with all these kids. We just had number six. I've been with Blessed Is She from the beginning. From the beginning? Literally forever. That's amazing. Wow. I know. I'm OG. I don't know if it's having six kids or being like past the mid-30 point, but now I'm like, oh, I'm one of the older wise voices. I'm just here to be a guiding star for Gen Z. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to know if you've always been sold out for Blessed Is She or if there was a turning point for you. I did have a turning point. I got to go on the writer's retreat and I met all of you and I was like, oh my gosh. It was like coming to a family reunion where there was no drama. So I was really blown away by like the spread. Blessed is she is not like a five-year age range and everybody like kind of looks the same and has the same like life background. It's a good cross-section of the Catholic church in the U.S., I think. And I was like, this is crazy. You're all my people. I just love that because I do feel like that about Blessed Is She events in general, that when I'm walking into the room, these are all my people, like you said. I mean, I think it's ideally what the church should be like before we like hyper segregated into like young adults, newly married, young parents, middle-aged parents, divorced. I mean, there should be resources for everyone, but sometimes you feel like it's a little hyper segmented. If you're like only with other parents who are all drowning or you're only with other young adults who don't have the vocation thing figured out, it just can get too dialed in on one specific season or experience. Yeah, that's something I love that you just said is that I love that we can point people to different resources. I think it's so important to have resources and things available for whatever stage or phase in life you are, but to be able to say all of us have that universal call to holiness and that blessed is she's primary focus is to focus on prayer and the Lord. We're able to have so many guides to point people to, but for Blessed Is She, it's, this is our call. Jenny, I know we had you on and we got to hear like some really beautiful highlights of your conversion story, but we were talking earlier a little bit about your vocation. And I love to hear people's vocation stories. We've been talking to some priests last season. So I'm curious if you would share a little bit about your vocation. I would love to. I think because I had kind of like a late in young adulthood conversion experience. Like I was at the end of college, beginning of grad school, when I got serious about my faith again. And then I had to study theology and like do a ton of theology in like one year to graduate from the school that I transferred to. And it was like all new to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I got like super into the fathers of the church and theology of the body and humana vitae. And like, I really, really got into the writings of now St. John Paul II and was just like blown away by 
having just come out of the very typical college experience and like the drinking and partying and like the sexual freedom that actually was not freedom for anyone and like to see it contrasted was so profound so of course I did what any like good now serious Catholic person did I was like oh my gosh I'm like really into this I must have a vocation (laughs) a big V vocation which was terrifying (laughs) because I only ever wanted to get married and when I was like getting back into a relationship with God I kind of had this false image of him as like wanting me to suffer so that I could be holier so I was like since religious life doesn't make me happy when I think about it that's probably what he wants that's probably it yeah (laughs) yeah I don't think that's uncommon I think anytime you talk about God's will people go to I have to be a missionary in a third world country I think that fear is just something he's constantly refining as you grow closer to him, he's like, don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of me. I'm like, oh, now I'm like, if I get too close, you're going to take my children. Like, it's just really messed up. It's a lack of knowing that he's my father. And I just have to keep returning to that relationship and like letting him show me that he's safe. But anyway, I moved home to Colorado, took a job with Focus and started volunteering at a parish. And I met these like wonderful Nashville Dominicans you know Nashville Dominicans. They're like the religious that everybody wants to be around. They're so joyful and they're cool. I mean, and this is like pre-Sisters of Life getting big. All religious are cool, but you know what I mean. But I mean, the whole time I'm enjoying like spending time with these sisters, serving the youth group, but I'm also like in a cold sweat thinking about being one of them or like even going on a discernment retreat. And I mean, that should have been a wake up call for me. Like you don't have a vocation to this life. Like if it repulses you, it's probably not what God's calling you to, but just felt like a lot to work through. And um, I met my husband around that same time, the same couple of months that I was spending a lot of time with those sisters and those youth group kids. So then of course I was like, Oh my gosh, God's holding two options. And like one of them's the right option and I'm going to choose the wrong one and be miserable for the rest of my life. But then hopefully I'll get to heaven. I had some baggage to work through and I think I still do to a certain extent, but I mean the piece of it that like makes me think maybe this is something everyone goes through is that when I would like go to adoration or like spend time praying, like what is the right choice? Like, I do feel like the Lord was like, it's your choice. There's freedom in whatever choice you make. I'm not going to like punish you. There's not going to be a buzzer that goes off if you pick the wrong thing. I hope I picked the right thing. (laughs) I think you did. I think so. One of the most beautiful and freeing things I ever read was desire reveals design, which is really an Ignatian principle that our desires are given to us, planted in our souls by the Lord to attract us to the thing that's ultimately going to bring us into deeper relationship and, you know, greater holiness. But for whatever reason we do, we tend to like distrust our desire. I think ultimately the Lord's going to honor you and bless you in whichever path you choose to be obedient to him. I chose to go this direction, but I'm choosing to stay close to his heart and still like be in deep relationship with him, attempt to be. He's just going to bless me. He loves me, even if I went that way. Right. The vocation isn't the goal. The vocation is the vehicle to greater holiness. So striving for holiness in whatever vocation is pleasing to God. 
So Jenny, you've been through some different seasons. You talked about kind of reverting back to the faith. And I'm wondering, how has your relationship with the Lord changed in these different seasons? At some (laughs) point, like a few years into marriage, I came across this concept that once you're in your vocation, the Lord speaks to you through your vocation. Well, I mean, you get a little bit swallowed up by early parenthood. It's just like pretty intense. And I would remember like the retreats that I'd been on when I was single and like just those like real like mountaintop experiences and like being able to make time for prayer and have like feelings in prayer. And I just felt like I just had time for the bare bones, like going to mass on Sunday, saying nighttime prayers, praying before meal, like very basic. And once I stopped trying to find that emotional like high that was kind of more accessible to me when I was younger, single, but also like kind of fresh back into my faith. It could have been any of those three factors, why it was happening. But when I stopped looking for it and started like looking for him in my relationship with my husband, in things that we would talk about as a couple or like experiences I would have with the kids, he was still there. It was kind of like before we were like in a private phone conversation and now he was like yelling through a loudspeaker across my whole life. But I was like standing in the middle of the stadium being like, I just don't hear him. So it just helps through the seasons where it's like, I don't hear God. And I'm like, well, I got up in the middle of the night with a child who needed me. And then they like gave me this big smile and, oh, I'm feeding the hungry. Like I'm clothing the naked. I also remember... Her blog used to be called My Child, I Love You, but now she's just mostly on Instagram. Her name's Lindsay Bover, and she's 11 kids. And she talks about hearing the voices of her kids asking her for stuff and responding in her heart, I'm coming, Lord. When somebody wakes up in the middle of the night, barfs or crying, like that's the movement in her heart. And that's, I think, applicable to any vocation. You hear your call to prayer at night or your phone rings because one of your parishioners was in a car accident. Like, I'm coming, Lord. Like, he's, like, working through the people in your life that you've been tasked with service of. That's where he is. That's beautiful. If we stop and think and realize that he's never left us, he's always with us, all we have to do is open our hearts to receive what he wants to give us in the every single day. I think it's one of those fundamental truths That we know intellectually, but it takes years of experience over time to like work its way down into our hearts, that he's with us in all of it. And Jenny, I loved that you talked about his voice changes, the tone Mm. of his voice changes, the demands of his love change. Mm. And we experience relationship with him, even intimacy with him in different and unexpected ways in different seasons. You know, I shared with you, Jenna, that on my eight day, I just wasn't hearing from the Lord the way I'm used to hearing from the Lord. Not emotional like these huge highs, but I wasn't like deeply, tenderly moved Mm -hmm. to tears by like his closeness or whatever. Like ways that I would normally hear like his very loving, reassuring voice just weren't there. He was profoundly present, but spoke primarily through my spiritual director. And that was kind of jarring for me that the Lord's voice does change in different circumstances and seasons. And that doesn't mean that he's changed. It means that my heart Mm -hmm. is growing and changing and I'm receptive to him in a different way. The way that I interact with Cecilia, my 10-year-old, 
is different than the way that Jenny is acting with her newborn. The way that we love on each one of our children is different and we communicate differently to each one of our children. Wow. Yeah. And that's what he does for us in each stage as well. Totally. Not only just like our individual communication, but in each stage it changes too. But it's but all it led love. me to think of that. It's all the most loving posture yeah. of your heart towards your child. Yeah. But it's appropriate to their like developmental stage, even. Totally. Wow, that's good, friend. This whole conversation made me think of First Thessalonians 524, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. When you've already discerned the vocation, you're in the vocation, you don't have to backtrack. You did hear God, you discerned properly, you made a choice, he called you and he's faithful and he will do it. There's so much consolation in reminding ourselves God helped us get here and he's not going to drop you in your vocation and then leave you there and you won't miss your vocation. And there's not like one magical person or one magical circumstance. I just don't believe that's true because God gave us free will. And so those two concepts don't match up. But it's true. I mean, if there was only one magical person and you had not come back to your faith and then later come into your faith and your husband's an atheist, so what? You're screwed? You picked the wrong one. Yeah. Jenny, I just want to backtrack for a minute because I think what you said was a really good word. And I want to reiterate that when you discern God's will and then you get into this new season or stage and you don't hear the Lord in the same way, that doesn't mean you discerned it wrong. I just think someone needs to hear that, probably me. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm wondering how do you like adjust and find a new rhythm and accept that this is now how your relationship with the Lord is structured and how you're hearing his voice differently? What's worked for you? I think that's why the church puts like physical promises into our vocations because those are like the guide ropes you bump up against. Yes, actual graces are conferred in the sacrament, but also on a human level, like you look down at your ring and you're like, yep, I chose this. I'm in it. Or, you know, you get up and make your holy hour that you committed to because you made the commitment. I just think it's super helpful to not expect or put too much stock in a like really emotional experience of prayer or of closeness to the Lord, because you are close to the Lord if you're living in his will. Whether or not you feel him, see him, hear him, like if you're living in his will for you, he's so close to you that like you're pressed up against him and you maybe can't see him. We can't like overly sentimentalize how we feel when we're doing the Lord's will or when we're living in relationship with the Lord. And it's really dangerous. And our culture is so obsessed with feeling it in your relationship with your spouse, feeling it in your relationship with the Lord. And if you don't feel it, something's wrong. And maybe you didn't accept Jesus right. Maybe you married the wrong person. And that's a lie. That's the enemy getting to people of faith who would otherwise continue to live their faithful life and like whispering, like, but you don't feel anything to you. Like, are you sure he's in this? Are you sure he's here with us? We have to have a rhythm. We have to self-impose a rule of life and a rhythm of prayer if we want to hear from God, no matter the season. I always come back to when people are like, I'm not hearing the Lord's voice. How do I hear the Lord's voice? Jenna and I often say, like, are you reading the word? That's his voice. Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus is the word. Right. So if you want to hear from God, read what he said. Driving in my car, in a conversation, 
doing whatever I'm doing, a scripture will just come to mind that I don't even know that I know. I didn't even set out to memorize it. But because I'm just like marinating in the word, Mm. it plants itself. The word is a seed, right? So it plants itself in my soul. And then the Holy Spirit, the great reminder comes and reminds us of what the Lord said. And so I'm not hearing some like magical, mystical voice. I'm hearing his word, which is his voice. Yeah. So what both of you said reminds me a lot of the Lent book, actually. In the Lent book, we talk about being in different seasons of life, whether it be on the mountaintop or in a storm or in the desert or at home. In all of these seasons, the Lord is here too. Even if we're in this season of life, he's not gone for a while. He's always going to be here. What Jenny said about like, you might not feel him because he's like so close. You don't even realize that he's there. Anyway, so I just love the Lent book because in every single week that we go through, we talk about being in a different season of life and how the Lord is there too. On the road is another one. So kind of like through transitional times in life. And then what you said, Beth, about being rooted in the word. And if you're not hearing him, like open up the word. And what I love about this book, which reminds me also of what you're doing with your little trio on your text message thread, Beth, we read the Psalms all throughout the Lent book. Laura Kelly Finucci is like the narrator of the whole book. And in it, we basically break open a Psalm every single week, a different Psalm every week that has to do with that season or time in life. I'm obsessed with the Psalms. Yeah. As you mentioned, with two other writers, Liv and Elise, we read a psalm a day, just like we would do with a virtual Bible study. Yeah. We read a psalm a day, and then we just text our one takeaway. But the psalms are speaking to me in such a deep way. It's funny. They're very emotional. And I think we've been kind of like talking about emotion as the enemy yeah. of prayer. But really, David lives in emotion. He, He's a he, very emotional He person. pours everything <laughs> out and then returns to this place of like quiet and rest and hope and trust. I'm loving the psalm, so I can't wait for that in Lent. I was invited to give this talk with a really strange title earlier this year, and it was called The Psalms is the Memory of the Bride. <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? And I was like, are you, are you sure to the conference organizer, like, are you sure you want like a married stay-at-home mom to like give <laughs> this part? Like there's a priest on one end and like a guy who does sacred architecture on the other. So I was just like, are you sure? And he was like, yeah, I'm sure, because you're a bride. And so, like, tie that in. And I was like, this is going to be so bad. It was amazing. First of all, I've never, like, listened at Mass to the Psalms. We hear a Psalm every single time we go to Mass. And it's like, we repeat it in, like, a sing-song way, the same way that my kids are memorizing poetry in that cadence. So it gets deep, deep in. So the Psalms are, like, the church's collective memory of being the bride of being the beloved of God and of reminding ourselves, remember when he showed up here, remember when we suffered and we got through it. And it was amazing. And it is amazing to go through the Psalms from the perspective of like having to just remind yourself who God is because you forgot, not because he changed or he went away or he moved the goalposts. He doesn't forget who he is. Like we forget who he is. My takeaway, actually, for today, we're on Psalm 34. David says to the Lord, say to my soul, I am your salvation. And there's this 
desperation and intimacy in that for me. He's begging the Lord, I need you to reassure me of your love. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So I'm like, I can tell the Lord that. Like, please say to my soul, I'm your father. Say to my soul, I'll protect you. Say to my soul, I have a good plan for your life. We can actually ask him. Revolutionary. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? (laughs) Jenny, tell me how you feel about Lent. This is like my Lent dead horse that I just can't stop beating. But like, if you are doing Lent and then you like, life happens and you stop for a few days or you mess up or whatever that looks like that's God's mercy where he's extending you a chance to begin again Lent is like God trying to get closer to us it's not us trying to improve ourselves so that God loves us more like I love that women can pick up here too and just start here too oh I didn't do the first two weeks it's okay like it's not what you're doing it's the Lord wanting to be intimate with you If Lent craps out, just begin again. Yeah, Mm. I love that, Jenny. And Laura says so often in this book, she talks a lot about encounter and that even if our Lent falls in the pooper, even if like all of our resolutions fall flat, we are encountering him here too. Jenny, it's just such a joy to have you with us. And I'm so excited and so honored that you wrote for our Lent book here to where we meet God. And I'm so excited to journey alongside you and Beth and the rest of the Blessed She community through this book to remember that the Lord is in every season, that He's with us, no matter our circumstances, no matter our phase or stage in life, that He is right here. He's not going anywhere. He's drawing closer and closer to us. So thank you so much for sharing your hearts And I can't wait to see what the Lord unpacks for us this Lent. Thanks for having us. There's a little bit of chorus in the background. It's beautiful. Jenny, would you mind closing us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, we thank you for our sisterhood. We thank you for your word, which is living and true. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and make us more receptive to the ways that you are speaking, that you do speak, that you, the word, are active and present in our lives, whether we're in our vocations or still discerning. And we pray just that as Lent comes this year, we would be receptive to the intimacy that you desire with us and would be open to your invitation. We pray this through the intercession of your mother, Mary. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, friend. Thanks, guys. Chat soon. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.